Greetings, friends. Uh, Griffey here, host of The Film Alchemist. Uh, I'll spare you the hardcore pro wrestling voice intro, because today we're bringing you something a little different. A special treat, if you will. Um, if you listen to the show, thanks for downloading. Please take a second, leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. You can find us on YouTube at The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Make sure to hit subscribe there for some of the fun new stuff we've got coming out. And find us on social media, man. A social media shout-out goes a lot way, uh, or a long way, I should say, to helping us find the people that you know that would also like to share movies with us. Uh, that means a lot to us. So, back to the show. Today, we're doing something a little different. In the build-up to the Academy Awards, which everyone who listens to this show knows that I love, uh, we had a, a special moment, right? The Joker, of all movies, a comic book film, again, reaching the pinnacle, being invited to the party of the best picture. Now, we covered this on uh, Alex and I's other podcast, The Long Box Sessions, a while back, right? So I went back and listened to that uh, conversation we had and thought, why not share this with our movie-loving friends over at Film Alchemist? Again, if you like The Long Box Sessions as well, please do all that busy work I asked you to do for us at the top of the show. Um, Looking back on Joker now, we've had a little time to sit with this movie, right? Uh the thing I was struck by is there was a frenzy when this movie came out, right? Media was talking about all the the bad, scary things that could happen at the theater. I even had an experience, as you'll hear, and Alex did, where we were both a little afraid in our theaters. So I'm just glad that nonsense was nothing, right? We all got ourselves worked up. Uh, nothing came of it. I'm really happy about that. Now we're just discussing this movie on its merits, which I think is a much more interesting and better conversation, right? The further away I've gotten from Joker... I am struck listening back to the conversation at how viscerally I reacted to the the kind of lightning in a bottle aspect of this movie, right? I think this movie is is kind of a tale of two different films. Uh emotionality, is that even a word? Emotionally and um you know just hitting you in the gut with raw energy. I think this movie scores really high. I think what I've learned the further away from it, I think the Joker suffers a little bit, uh, you know, the further away from the heart we and the gut we get and the higher we go towards the brain, right? I think it's kind of a, it has a bit of a, a childish take on the world it's trying to present. There are some things that didn't all the way add up to me now. But what I think is inevitable and hard to disagree with is that this was one of the most impactful films of the year. And Joaquin Phoenix delivers a performance for the ages, right? So, do I think this movie would be my winner for Best Picture? No, I don't. But I do think it belongs among the Best Picture nominees. And I think, again, that for the fact that this movie, with all of the pre-buildup and all the fear-mongering that came out, was able to come out and affect people as much as it did, good and bad, I think it's rare that people leave the theater riled up about anything. So to me, I think that is a feat in and of itself, man. So again, it's not my best picture per se. I think it's more heart and gut than brain. But if this is where comic book movies go, I, I find myself wishing to watch this comic book movie a lot more than kind of these these formula outputs we're getting now, right? Whether it said it well or not, Joker had something it wanted to say. It had something it wanted to do, and it took us to a place where we weren't just marketing for an extended world or toys. It, you know, it sat us with a character. And as much as that character may have made us cringe or we don't like spending time with them, I think that's I think that's a refreshing way to spend my time watching a comic book movie at this age. So 
without any more of my uh, my precursor, here is our conversation about Joker. I hope you guys enjoy it uh, from the long box sessions. Here we are. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Long Box Sessions. I'm your host, Alex Dandino. And I'm Josh Griffey. As always, catch us on all your socials. That's all of your uh, Instagrams, all your Twitters, all your Facebooks. And then, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. Guys, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. Tell your friends about it. My goodness, all the fun we're having listening Especially, to Gary Glitter. Oh, Gary Glitter. We'll get to that perv in a minute. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, guys, wherever you find the show, especially on uh, Apple Podcast app, the ratings and reviews are a really nice, simple way that takes only moments. You guys can help the show out. It does mean the world to us. And while you're doing that, do it for the film Alchemist as well. We're knee deep in our horror movie marathon. Uh, all the nightmares, all the Fridays, some cool stuff in theaters. And you can also, you might even be watching us now, uh, the Nerd Alchemist, S plural at the end, plural S at the end, uh, on YouTube. In case you want to uh, see the massive amounts of hair that the long box session is rocking. Wow. All right, guys. Uh, it's time for us to get down and dirty. That's right. As filthy as 1981 Gotham City can get. <laughs> Griffey and I went and saw Joker. We're talking about it, man. Uh, That's right. What a fascinating uh, dive into. I mean, I we must have had, I think I counted, I think we had four shows dedicated actually to the appearance of this film mm -hmm. in movie theaters leading up to it and now we've seen yeah. it griff what are your initial reactions to this movie i mean obviously we're recording it after initial reactions but immediately after sure. you got out of the theater you were like i need some time to process what i just saw yeah i mean i think the word is flabbergasted right like <laughs> my theater experience was just overwhelming almost right like right. from first off we got in there yeah. And we had this guy show up, right, dressed all in black like a Columbine guy, sloppily painted on Joker makeup, obviously for the effect of looking extra insane, doing right. kind of a weird voice, asking for a bunch of free stuff. He had a Meyer bag. And I was like, Why the, who the fuck is bringing a job? Like, not like, a, you know, had like a bag of candy, but like a big bulging Meyer bag. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm seeing it with my brother who just had leg surgery in a car crash. So I was like... All right, if shit goes down, I can't drag his big ass out of here. Like, I don't. But it, it was that crazy thing where you're like, because we saw it early. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, thank God nothing has happened, really. Like, there's a couple vapors no. and this and that. And you're like, well, that's to be expected. It's Joker. Yeah. I mean, it's, right? a very, <laughs> it's a very jumpy time at the theater. Like, I went and saw it on Sunday night, uh, like, real late. And, um, I have a, I don't know if you guys, I have the citizen app on my phone that like yeah. gives you like alerts of shit that's going on in your neighborhood. And one of the uh, alerts that I was looking up, I just got a buzz and it was like, oh, shooting. I'm like, oh, fuck. And it was like right. shooting it, shooting at Sherman Oaks gallery. I'm like, fuck. And then I read yeah. it and then I actually read the post and it was like, oh, some kid popped a balloon. Like we're Fucking at a point little now, assholes. <laughs> we're at a point now though, where like balloon popping is putting people off in a public place. Like. There's some this movie has touched some nerves. So, right. Um, but what what I would focus on, right, is that we've been I'm just glad nothing bad has happened. Oh, right? Yeah. Like the fact that we get to talk this, about this without having. A, 
yeah. compartmentalize I mean, is great. It's weird because, yeah, I was – I just thought I'd mention it. Like, I was legitimately – as the movie starts to break kind of into the, the full-on madness, yeah. I was really uncomfortable in my theater. Same. And it added to my effect. So when I got out, I was just flabbergasted. Like I said, there was so much emotion and processing. I think since I've had it's it's such an unusual flick. It's kind of exactly where I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, I normally sit um, like my theater experience is usually I sit. Uh, I always sit on the side. I like being able to exit. Um, I decided to sit all the way at the back of the theater this time because Smart. I don't trust people. And I got. I can tell you right now. <laughs> I heard the so in the arc light they have these back exit doors. I heard them open twice, and I got up and checked. Like that's yeah. how unnerved I was seeing this movie. But this is the obnoxious part, right? Is there's actually a really fascinating. But I was scared in my theater. You were scared in your theater. The news keeps putting out articles about guys vaping. Some guys started laughing and clapping and made people run out of the theater. Like it's almost as if they're upset that nothing bad happened, right? So they keep doing this story. So I don't want to partake in that anymore. I just thought it was memorable. I was like. As soon as I saw the Joker guy, I was like, oh boy, here we go. So maybe I was extra on on edge, right? Right. I think my I, I spoke to one of my friends uh, who I won't name. I don't know if he'd want me to or not. But yeah, we had a good chat about the movie because there's a lot of stuff to process in this film. A lot um, of stuff to process. Yeah. I think my friend Sam had my favorite review right off the bat where he goes, this Joker would definitely get beat up worse than any other Joker by Batman. <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's a feeble <laughs> old man by the time Batman's a sprightly yeah. 26. But I think I think there's something interesting in this, right? Is that in Todd Phillips now has hinted this isn't actually the Joker, maybe, but a guy who inspired whatever, fine. Whatever. I do think it's a fair point to say. We'll get to that guy in a minute. Because I'm kind of torn, right? I do think this is. It's in my top five favorite comic book movies I've ever seen. I don't know that I would call it a comic book movie, right? Just because it has the Joker and Gotham and a Wayne mentioned. I I think comic book movies shifted now as a movie that is derived from a comic book. Right. To almost its own genre with its own tropes and expectations. This one's not that. And also, I don't really find this version of the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix is playing to even be the Joker for me. While also saying I think it's my favorite performance of the character. Yeah. And I think that's the the weird headspace I find myself in with this movie. Is there if you go on Twitter there's these really wild react I mean obviously it's Twitter. But people saying it's an absolute masterpiece. I've gone two or three times over the weekend to other people saying it's a piece of shit that should not even be given time of day. And what I think it is just an ultra fascinating movie that's a bit in between all that. Yeah, totally. I I mean I think that what it ends up being is like, it's the truest, again, they go through every single time, like, character study, character study, character study. Like, that's the word everyone see. That's, like, the buzzword everyone wants to use. And I'm like, I wonder if anybody actually knows what that means. Like, I actually, I looked it up. <laughs> I, I honestly, I looked it up. I'm like, because it's, there's times when those things become, like, catch-all terms. And I'm like, all right, let's actually, like, get to the bottom of this. Yeah. I'm like, I That's what say, people say when they're like, there's no action. But it was good. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I watched, and like, because, like, I think about character studies that I've seen, and, like, as much as, like, I'd say, as much as there is plot in, like, a movie like There Will Be Blood, it's pretty much a character study of Daniel Plainview. Like, there's a lot yeah. going on there. 
I think the Joker, I think Joker is obviously a character study of this one individual. And, but I also think it's an examination of, um, what I would call metropolitan life in general. I I think that there's a million and one of these kinds of guys probably who existed in 1980s, New York, particularly, um, who were down on their luck, had an issue, had something like that. Like this is a very, I actually think the story was quite common until obviously like he starts painting his face and doing crazy shit. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating journey into madness and Joaquin Phoenix is such a great actor to take us there. But um, yeah, I don't know if it would be one of my top five favorite superhero movies or comic book films like honestly i'm grappling with it in my own mind i think it's my actual favorite like that that's where i i've landed after a weekend of thinking about it right and again i think that's a bit of a cheat because they're just making a movie that i prefer under the guise of a comic book film and you know they're doing this here's the joker and and honestly that's my favorite performance ever turned in as the joker while not being the joker right right an interesting way that someone phrased this that i thought about right is that this movie is you know there are those movies when you were in college that have kind of faux philosophical bends you know kind of the kind of ideas in them that make really dumb people feel like they're smart because they like the movies i.e fight club right Fight movies that become yeah fight club <laughs> they become the- <laughs> uh, blue blue velvet's like the level up from fight how club. dare you no but what it is is right fight clubs becomes this your dumbest friend watches it thinks he's really smart and then starts espousing this kind of nonsensical anarchism right and uh someone referred to it as the college dorm syndrome the college yeah. dorm movie poster syndrome. sure sure and someone said is that a movie like Fight Club fights out or sets out to make a movie, right? And then it gets co-opted into that, you know, dorm wall poster. What And Joker is the example of what if that was the intention all along <laughs> was to make that movie for those guys. Wow. And I don't know if I all the – because this is the thing. I do think Joker gets pretty muddy by the end, right? Yeah. I don't – by the end of it, I'm not sure all the way where I am. And this is the part about it that I, I, I separate this out from an actual Joker tale for me, right? Because right? I do think it's twofold. I like the idea of – we talked about this on Film Alchemist with Freddy Krueger, right. right? We've gotten too friendly with Joker, yeah. right? Like even Heath Ledger's Joker, he we kind of liked him so much and he won awards. And I think at times we forget how truly scary a character like Joker would be, right? That there are – human beings that don't act like human beings because they do not buy into the social contract by not buying into the rules of a society and purely acting out of their own in the moment actions this and that they become so fucking scary and i think mark hamill had a big part of that because we grew up on batman animated that's almost where all of our heads jump to. Well, first. I'd say that it's that. I mean, I'd go back further. I mean, it's Cesar Romero. Like Cesar Romero made it commercial. Like even Jack Nicholson right. was not that threatening. He was a mob boss. Mob guys can be killed. I think. See, I think Nicholson is fucking. Like I don't think anyone takes Batman sixty six seriously in the Uber bat. I think they we're don't. Like, oh, what no, a no, fun no. little Nobody thing we had. Nobody takes Batman sixty six seriously in the Uber of like Batman, like that. Yeah, that is like a fun little romp, but psychologically it informs some sort of opinion we might have of a guy who dresses up like a clown. And that's like, I mean, more to the point, like even in Batman 89 Joker's costumes still have that Cesar Romero vibe. Like there was nothing about what he was wearing that like 
made me think, oh, that guy's probably dangerous. Like, that was, like, the thing that about... That was the thing when they did The Dark Knight that was different about Heath Ledger was there was a lot about what was going on with Heath Ledger's makeup and his costume that felt more... That felt more on edge. It felt more dangerous. Like, they talk a lot about, like, the development of the makeup and, like, that was supposed to symbolize, like, sort of this infection almost, which is... Which works, yeah. and it plays. I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm not here to take shots at Ledger. What I think, though, is that when I saw Ledger, and this is the new standard for Joker, right, is Ledger and Phoenix and... Leto. We'll fucking throw that one in there. It's almost these tryhards, right? It's, we can't get Joker to be scary and crazy enough without trying hard. What I think Nicholson did, and the different thing in Nicholson, too, is we had time before the Joker right. turn to see that he was a scary fucking guy before he right. turns and that he just loses his last bit of inhibitions. But if you go back and watch that movie, he's a scary fucking character in that well, yeah. movie. I right? mean, from, but that's so also I think from now the we're, Like, I think that that's the main thing. Right. Is, but that's what I mean. Now we're trying to do this with makeup, you know, even Joaquin, it's like, I'm too insane to do eyeliner correctly. Right. right? And that's, that's fine. What I think is different in this one is, with Heath Ledger, we never did the before. Joaquin, it's it's almost all before. Oh, it is in this. There movie. is no like, and I think that's so wildly important. I also don't even think that like the end of this movie is um, an after. I think the whole movie is before. It's like truly an origin story. Like the origin of it all right. it takes place within this movie. I don't think you really get to the after ever. What you get to see is like the chrysalis, essentially. That's really kind of like where this all crystallizes for me is like that ending after. The part after, you know, um, he goes on the Murray show, Murray Franklin show was like, that's like the crystallization of the entire story is here's a man who wouldn't take it anymore. Like there's about five movies I would say are combined into the, into Joker that I would look at and go, got it. This is, you know, I would say it's like taxi driver, a little bit of network, a little bit of, um, a little bit of King of comedy, uh there's um a lot of there's just a lot of scorsese vibes there's a lot of this like there's a lot of neo-noir going on Uh, there's just it's it's like a student it's a movie that's a student of all these other films more importantly but and i think that's probably the thing that kind of turns me off from it a little bit is i see a lot of other movies that i like but the thing that makes me come back to the well is joaquin phoenix like this is like a career performance right and that that's that's where I settle on it too is I feel like so much of the structure of it and the message if you would even say it has a message don't land for me hardly no. ever. Um they, there's this weird at the end they try to tie together all these messages and it just didn't feel like it matched the journey I was on. But during the movie like I said to you this movie to me is just Henry Portrait of a Serial Yeah, player, that's another right? one that advised. Everyone says Taxi Driver and this and that. This is so much more theatrical and depraved in a way i think it plays more like henry there's a lot of that in there too. and yeah and and that's like my brother had the weirdest concept he's like yeah it reminded me of when i watched passion of the christ like what he's like yeah you just watch this guy just get fucking brutalized joylessly for a really long time and at the end you just kind of go well that was for nothing and i was like well i think you missed the entire point of the jesus bible story but that's neither here but uh yeah i mean that's the thing to me is joaquin phoenix is so unbelievably captivating 
and enchanting, you, you're willing to suffer some of the other things in the movie that, to me, just don't matter as much, right? Um, like, one of the weirdest decisions in the movie, to me, was the Thomas Wayne portrayal. Yes. This really bothered me, if I'm being 100% honest. Making Thomas Wayne a legitimate, straight-up fraud and an asshole, right? right? And I, And people can say that's not the case, this and that. Show me a scene in that movie where Thomas Wayne has a redeeming quality. He's a wealthy man who all we know is that uh, Penny worked for him at one point, was fired because, you know, she's unhinged. Fair enough. Right. He calls everyone in the city clowns if they're not wealthy. Uh, punches Joaquin in the bathroom. And before that's kind of got a surly attitude anyways. The kind of guy who's tired of dealing with it. I'm the only one that can save you. Um would take his wife and kid to the movie theater in the middle of a riot? Are we to believe that that riot completely well, I got, formed? I gotta tell you, yeah, during Zorro the gay, during Zorro the gay blade, no less. Um, I gotta tell you, I mean, those movies were not three hour long movies. I gotta I'm tell assuming. you, I, I take like this is this is actually leading into something that I, I walked out of the theater like, fuck Todd Phillips because this is like a big problem I have with this movie is Todd Phillips spent so much time in the press talking about this isn't a comic book movie. This isn't that kind of thing. We're not making a comic book movie. And how dare you decide to include a huge piece of comic book, probably the biggest piece, honestly, of comic book iconography in your film. You fucking, I wish I was making a superhero movie, motherfucker. Like we talk about, I don't even know if it's that. that it's just not only that he showed it, but we talk, was the we talk about it? this on this show every time they come out with a fucking Batman movie, which is this is the fucking scene every director wants to shoot. Like, there's no way around every it. writer, every artist, everyone Everybody wants, wants this to do scene. this scene, which is the Wayne's death. And like, but right. I agree it happened. And I'm like, this is so inconsequential to the rest of this movie. You could have cut this entire thing out and absolutely nothing would change. But that, but this is what I mean, though, right? By turning him into an asshole, the movie seems to be saying, and the gunman even says, "You get, you what, you get what you deserve." And it honestly felt like Todd Phillips, from his point of view, felt that oh, way. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is one of the again, not to get, here. yeah, not to get into the other, you know, outside political shit, right. whatever. This movie does nothing but tell us that Thomas Wayne is a piece yeah. of shit, is a bit of a grifter is not helping Gotham. They do everything they can to position him in an unworthy of his status and not good enough for helping right. the people. So that when we see the common man, right, we're forced as an audience to say, well, are we with that super rich piece of right. shit, right? When Joaquin walks in, one of the best scenes in the movie to me is when he walks in as the mm-hmm. bellhop and he's sitting there watching the comedy, right? He wants to be the comedy on the screen. Watching people laugh, and you can see him trying to have fun, trying to amuse. And you look around the room, though, and it's just these pretentious, stuffy assholes. Like, who would be there that night in the midst of this chaos, right? right? It's it's one of those things that I think they're like, oh, this stuff happens. This is fun. No, no one would be there in the real world, right? This is the way they're visually telling us that is that these people are so detached and uncaring for the real world. Now, some people might take umbrage with me and say that that's how it is now. I, I don't agree necessarily. I don't think you walk in there with a bunch of fucking clowns yeah. who are all sexed up, you know, sex hormoned up after a triple murder. Well, 
are going in there to watch a chaplain or what? Yeah, this, that's the thing. Like, no one goes into. I don't know any rich people that would go in and a sit down and watch a chaplain movie. But also, like, more importantly, hey, 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 hey. No, no, I'm not. I'm not speaking that. ill of Chaplin. Uh, what I'm saying is, I don't know well, anyone. I, like, I don't know anyone who's going to go in after that kind of thing with this kind of civil unrest and be like, you know what? It's totally fine. We're here celebrating the arts. Like, absolutely not. Never, not in a million right. years. But that's what, so. So Thomas Wayne is giving all this money to what the Chaplin Foundation with the, you know, ivory bathrooms and whatnot, yeah. and you know he's out there saying he needs to help them. But this is the interesting narrative consequence of that, is that Todd Phillips, whether on purpose or not, has told us the audience that in a way Thomas Wayne is deserving of his death. That Thomas Wayne and those like him have helped create this Frankenstein's monster that is Gotham City, this metropolis run amok, and turned Arthur and some of these other clowns into victims who are fighting back and standing up for right. themselves. That is the kind of messaging. I think people latch onto that and they're like, that's really smart. It's really dumb. Yeah, I don't though. really find that. It's really dumb to blame Thomas Wayne for the stakes of God. And this is where me and my friend, we were talking in the text, and he's like, I kind of like the new version of Gotham. And I was trying to explain. No, this is Gotham essentially exists in comics, not as a city, but it is this eternal womb of yeah. evil. Right. New, Gotham is a catch all for all of the worst impulses new of society. Version of Gotham. Good Lord. I, I'm, I might be paraphrasing. I mean, it was a really long conversation we had. Was, he helped me crystallize a lot of this. But in theory, I think Gotham has always existed this way. And. I think story-wise, it always works better when Thomas Wayne is the shining example amongst yeah. the filth, right? I mean... Because that it doesn't make sense. Why is Bruce Wayne so instilled with a mission to save Gotham if he knows his dad well, was a charlatan? Like, the whole eat the rich routine... Bruce is really smart. Right. When he gets older, he'll read the newspapers and realize his dad was well, a charlatan. the eat the rich routine is kind of played out. and uh, like Here's actually something I thought of when I was walking out of the movie is I was like... Think about that version of Batman for a second that gets born out of that trauma. I actually think that right. you can make a case that that version ends up being that Aronofsky Batman where he like gets raised by Big Al <laughs> in the like, auto shop. Like that totally right. is the version of Batman I see coming out of what happened there because that's a guy who is not accepting of his like, uh, you know, it's like Aragorn. You know, he's not accepting of his title or anything like that. He's literally willing to be down and down with the dregs. You know that. Yeah. I think is, or as his people would say, down with the, oh, yeah, the, the sickness, sickness disturbed, disturbed early two thousand. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but th this is what I mean, though. It, it's one of those. I think a lot of the big guy because this is the thing. The movie is undeniably beautiful, powerful, moving, emotionally sweeping, right? right? But I think what happens is the longer I've been from my screening, because again, when you leave, I was just. You know, it's one of those I can't remember the last time I was so maybe Midsommar, right, right? Or right. hereditary, where I was so just erupting with energy as a reaction to what I just saw. Yet the further I get away and the energy dissipates from your body, I was just left questioning what I was seeing. And I think it's actually somewhat childish in its its interpretations, right? So there's the eat the rich. The the other question I wanted to ask, right? And then you know, we can move on to other stuff. What did you think of the addition of Arthur's mom is uh, a mentally sick and abusive woman? I mean, uh, this is going to sound bad. But if I'm being honest, um, I think that's a little bit, again, a little bit of a played out routine. 
Um, like, yes. Yeah, I felt I, the I don't, same way. Like, and look, I'm look, I'm fucking me. Like, I'm not a writer. I'm not famous. So who am I? But at the same time, like, this is also a pretty common trope when it comes to these kinds of characters, when it comes to these kinds of things. There is some sort of horrible childhood trauma, horrible thing going on. So, like, to me, it seems it validates the Joker in a way that I kind of don't want the Joker validated. That's pretty much my main issue with the entirety of the film is like, I don't need a definitive origin of anybody, particularly this guy, but what it does is gives you such a, it it tries so hard to make you like feel bad for this guy. I'm like, I, I don't feel bad for someone who like, listen, I'm a new dad. I have bad days all the time. That's like part of my life. Like, I suck, I suck it up, I get over it, and I move on with my day. I, you know, right. I live in an apartment with my wife and kid. Like, I don't, what I what I don't right. do is, you know, blow people's brains out on national television, so. Right. Well, this is something I was uh, texting about as well, right, is I always like the Joker's I'm you after one bad day right. routine. I think that gets misconstrued as it's not one bad day. It's not like he's Thomas Wayne and has one right, bad right. day, Right. Of course, he has countless bad days, but his is the one, the last bad right. day, right? The last day before you turn. So what I don't like about this edition, right, is one, I I thought by this point in the movie, I don't need any more reasons to feel empathy with Arthur's no. plight. I don't need some explanation about the laugh, which we'll, we'll talk about the laugh more. I thought that was yeah. brilliant, right? I don't need the radiator. I don't need the abuse, the adoption, all of these things, right? What I think is actually more emotionally devastating is here's this guy and his mom who worked for Thomas Wayne, and somehow things started to go bad. That's a very realistic story in our lives. Totally. Arthur had a medical problem. She has medical problems. The bills are eating them up. They can't keep it up. But the things I think about are Arthur bathing his mother, right? Because in the trailer, I was like, well, that's fucking creepy. But in the movie, it's very sweet. You know, I this still little it was pretty creepy. apartment. I mean, of course, it's weird. Like, no one wants to bathe their parent, but you would, right? Like, there's this. And that's what I mean is that despite this horrible world that we spend all this time in in the movie, there are moments in the apartment of them watching the TV show together, him dance, you know, come dance with me, mom, right? Uh, bathing her. There are these little moments of sweetness. And I think juxtaposing that to him losing all of it by the end is more emotionally impactful than, Oh, your mom was with a diddler and she was crazy and was going to slash and, yeah. you know, just turning her into a maniac for no reason. Well, it just kind of, I, to me that, that didn't add anything to the story. Cause by that point we're what an hour well, yeah. plus. Into I mean, the I film? feel like if anything, it kind of takes the piss out of Arthur, like the whole idea behind this guy yes. having the worst day of his life. I'm like, He's already pretty much had the worst day of his life. Like he was the thing he brought on the most joy was being a clown, which is terrifying on every level. And right. it to be taken away for something as simple as like trying to defend yourself after something that happened, like everyone shits on him all day. Like it's just a weird pile on that really doesn't do much for me personally as a, right. as a viewer. Right, but if you keep her as an actual sweet mother who's trying to make sure that her son will be okay when she right. leaves, right? To me, that matters more. By the time he smothers her in the hospital, I have no emotional yeah. attachment There's to her. a real, like... You're just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. And again, it, it gets back to this. This is why I don't think Arthur Fleck is the real Joker as we've read him over 80 years because 
the whole movie seems to be him just reacting to things. There, there doesn't feel like there's a true decision moment. By the time he kills her, it almost feels narratively forced well, because she's already died to him when he reads this right. file. I, I'd say the only where, where's his forethought and all of this kind of things that make him the right. Joker. Right? There's there is this grabbing of fate and spitting in the face of authority that I feel in this one's just done in a little bit of a kind of a sad childish well, manner. It's like it's like the, like the like the Zazzy Beats stuff. I like why is this in this movie? Like I, I don't understand why this matters. Like is it just like someone to play off of, and then you eventually find out? I actually love that I, part. I love I her love act. her, but what I'm saying right. is narratively, it does nothing for me because what it ends up doing is I, it does something I already have. It already does something that I have narratively in the movie. I don't need any more of it. So, like, for me to sit there and go, oh, man, I hope, like, like, when he realizes that everything, like, he's not spoken to her and all of this is in his head, like, I, like, yeah, we know. Like, he's, fuck- like, you could tell from the first time she said anything to him. It is always here's, him talking back to himself. Here's where this works for me really well. I think this one lands in a way that the mother didn't. Right. Because they kneecap the mom. What she represents in her character. Right. There is one moment of decency that he experiences early in this movie. Right. And it's her and her daughter in the elevator and even a small smile that goes a long way for a person who's is in the dumps. Right. And especially when you juxtapose it to the lady on the bus where she's like, don't talk to my kid. And he has his, you know, his fit unreal laughing fit. Right. That's just haunting. So you see this one moment, and you see the way it carries him, right, and boosts him. And I, I immediately knew something was up, because when he comes to the door and they just start making out, I was like, yeah, that's not a guy who's pulling that move. Something's I mean, off. But So you watch these moments, right? And when she comes out, and he's touching everything in her apartment, and she sees him, and we know, and we see him just wet and beaten and changed. This is where he's making... This is the one point in the movie where it feels like a legitimate choice. The first right. legitimate that's what, that's choice. That's what I was right? getting at earlier is that like that is the first actual choice he makes in this movie. It's the one thing he makes to leap forward, and it's so traumatic right. that it was wrong. Yeah. That's Yeah, because the mom, it feels like the movie's already erased her story, right? So her killing him killing her does nothing sure. for me. But this one, I honestly believe he kills her and her child in this scene. Oh, really? Right, because my buddy's like he didn't kill them. And I, okay, well, you don't think she immediately called the cops who are already wanting him, and they're not beating his door down in the next forty-eight right. hours? No one called the cops after that. Like he killed By the those way. two. And what it is is it's she was his, you know, light in the storm. This was his chance. The only thing we see outside of his mother in that apartment that is a shining potential future. And when he realizes that that was all in his head, you know, he takes this fucking evil turn of I will destroy it then if I can't. Right. And it's it's despicable and it's repulsive. But again, this is that Joker is not a toy for our children. He is a one of the scariest, most terrifying characters right. in fiction. I mean, so I love that. I love that beat in the movie. Oh, yeah. I thought that accomplished what the mother did not. That by beat the accomplishes what we need from his real world so to speak like that part is fine i think everything leading up to it is very um, like i think it's very obvious from the jump that he is imagining her talking to her talking to him like 
It it took me a while. The making out scene was when I was like, Ugh. it was as soon as he brought up stand up comedy, and she's like, oh cool, like as, as enthusiastic as she was. I'm like, not a chance. Like that woman, a single mother who lives in like 1981 Gotham City, no way, not going out to, not going to go out to uh, the ha ha hole. I thought, <laughs> sure, right. I, I mean, I'm with you on it. Like looking back on it, you're like, oh yeah, of course. But I didn't all the way disconnect from the story until the making out scene. That's when I was like, now we're in wet dream right, territory, right. right? Like this is not how life works. <laughs> but honestly, at the start, yeah, I, I didn't pick up immediately that none of this was real. Well, right. But I, I think that's a really, and again, this gets back to, and I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to talk about all the outside arguments. I think so many people are arguing about things that aren't in yeah. the movie and that's annoying. Right. I mean, in a way, the Joker is this kind of incel aggrieved white man, right? I have all this talent. I should be doing this. Thomas Wayne should be my dad. I should be uh, on the other side of the fence with Bruce. My mom said I should be an entertainer. We watch Maury, so I should be on his show. He should be. There's just all this. I should be, or I'm owed something, or they don't know how good I am. Which is right? weird. And again, I don't think I don't think that's a bad uh, thing, man. Those characters I don't think it's a exist. bad thing. What I think is interesting is that it gets it gets what it's being painted as is a certain thing. And actually, what I think it is is kind of much more a reaction to what I would call millennial culture. Like, I don't know about you, but like, there's a lot of people from that that generation that believe things are owed to them. Like, I am owed this because I did this and this and this and this. I think that's. I honestly think that's every generation they just hate it in the next generation because they feel like they didn't get there and i'm fine (laughs) being that guy from this generation that hates that generation like that's part of life but what i'm saying is is and that yeah that's a cyclical thing but again i'm owed this i'm owed that like i deserve this i'm talented i'm special like i know i'm different than everyone else like there is this really potent desperation throughout the movie particularly and obviously from arthur because he's not desperate to be famous or important or anything like that what he's desperate to be is happy and i think that's probably the scariest part of the whole movie is like what you go for and try to find in the desperation for happiness can be so dark and destructive that you can never find your way back and you have to come you have to conform to your pursuit of happiness whether it's good or bad. And I think that's what ends up happening to Arthur in this movie is he finally obtains what makes him happy. The problem is what makes him happy is not good for the rest of us. Right. Well, I mean, I would even boil it down to something so much more basic, right? I think Arthur is desperate to be seen, period. Right. I think a lot of Arthur's movie is just no one looks at him. And that the only people that do look at him is to beat him. Right. Right. Like the only people who acknowledge his presence are terrified of him and telling him to fuck up. I think he just he wants to be seen the way he is by his mother. But then again, we learn that his mother never actually well, sees that's... him. She sees him as this uh, offspring of Thomas Wayne and this entertainer, yeah. which clearly he's not. Well, so I think maybe it's just that simple, right? Uh, that we all feel well, like it... the whole world isn't listening. Sure. I mean, like I guess I would say yes to that, but also he doesn't even see himself for quite some time. Like he spends the entire movie to trying to find, trying right. to find that person. And eventually after everything that happened with Zazzy beats is when he actually finally sees himself like that scene where, uh, the two guys show up and he fucking guts that dude. That is dude. What that might be fuck? one of, that Amazing might be one of the best scene. scenes in a movie I've ever seen. 
Like that is like, yeah, that is some truly heinous, terrifying shit. But also like, you know, right. what, you know, what it reminded me of is this, the story, um, one of the kids who was in, and it's sad that this is the example, but like one of the kids who was in the bowling class with the uh, kids from Columbine said, like told him not to go to school that day. He's like, I like you don't go to school today. Like that's, that's the right. kind of vibe I got. And I'm like, that's sort of like the level we're at with this movie is we see all these things that are sort of peppered from real life. And these like concepts that we've seen before and that's sort of the real terrifying thing. And I think the thing that scares people the most about this movie is that it is like all great art is really a reflection of the times and a reflection of ourselves in some way, in some form. So what's scary right. is absolutely that this person obviously exists. What's scary is that this person can exist to sure. this degree. That's the really terrifying part. Right. Well, I mean, I think the movie goes even further to say that a bunch of us exist and that we're th th that's their one bad day, right? Is that we're all this fucking close, right? right? Um, I mean, I guess that's the thing. I The only thing I didn't like about that scene is when he lets the little guy live. I was like, it's this moment of, oh, look, he has some kind of moral compass. Well, no, he didn't. He just murdered that lady and her kid, right? They didn't do anything mean well, to him uh, except for exist in his wet dreams. I honestly think he... Someone would have to explain to me how the cops are not down his throat the moment he leaves that apartment if he didn't kill how them. How badly? I got I got this shout out. Uh, Shay Wiggum and Bill Camp, who are like my two all-time, two of my all-time favorite character actors. They show up in movies yeah. and do such great work. They maybe get, I don't know, five minutes of screen time. But goddamn, if I do not believe they are cops through and through. Like, especially, I don't yeah. know what it is about well, that's a whole class of actors. You just have the look yeah, of like cop. Bill, <laughs> you just exude particularly, it. Like, what's amazing to me is, like, Bill Camp's a great example. Like, Bill Camp's the bald guy. Like, Shea Wiggum's the guy who's in, like, Boardwalk Empire. But Bill Camp has been in, like, Molly's Game and a bunch of other movies. Uh, he, yeah. was in, um, he was in The Looming Tower. But he's this special brand of character actor where he literally fits in any generic middle-class white guy job. That's for sure that guy. Like, he just is that dude yeah. on the level. And I, I mean, like, and that's not a bad thing. It's a compliment because I think he's a fantastic actor, but like, yeah, the minutes he gets on the screen, him and Shea Wiggum, the minute they get, and obviously like they're part of the major inciting incident in the movie, but like the minutes they get on screen are so good. Like that scene outside the hospital where he fucking runs into the door. Like I, I didn't, I didn't laugh. Like I honestly was just like, I'm just, I feel so terrible. Like it's poor guy. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the theme of the movie until he murders that lady and her kid is I was just like, for fuck's sakes, like and and what I like, the the thing I like about the early childhood trauma, again, I don't think it needs to be done in this kind of disgusting Saul version, right? right? <laughs> Whatever the fuck happened with him chained to that radiator, the early childhood trauma that ga gives him this laugh. My buddy's a doctor. He told me what this actual syndrome is called. I can't remember. Oh, it's hard but to pronounce. Yeah, that those scenes are used to devastating efficiency in yeah, this movie. Totally. The scene when he is laughing and crying as these three chads are just descending on him. I mean, it's it's unbelievable because you can just see this man. He and the the subway becomes a really good visual metaphor for kind of the entire urban yeah, totally. thing, right? Is we're surrounded by people, but we also feel totally alone and scared, and you know. He's laughing and crying like the way he does it. 
it's the best Joker laugh to me. Everyone can say whatever the fuck you want. This is the best because it means something more than just a cackle. Right. Uh, you know, the other Joker laughs are kind of this defiance in the face of life, right? Like, life has rules and guidelines to hell with that. I will always be the court jester that shows you anything you try to do is in air because nothing matters, right? His is yeah. different. His is a desperation to... It's it's this weird thing, like, to just feel his actual emotions is impossible for yeah. him. Right? Like, he's not even allowed to sit and process his own depression and despair and fear because it comes out in this horrific yeah. laugh. And I think that's the part of Joaquin's performance that is so impressive, right? It's kind of twofold for me because, one, they have these amazing shots just on his eyes. Mm -hmm. And the amount of fury that he can portray, even when he's kind of the subdued Arthur, it's just one of those things that some actors have that you just – you can't match it. It's it's un you just stare into There's his eyes. There's actually a scene phenomenal. early in the film that scared the shit out of me, and that was the scariest scene in the whole movie. Like bar none was when he walked into the guy who runs the clown company's office, and they just do this slow right. push push in on his face where he's smiling at the guy. But Joaquin Phoenix just has yeah. those. It's the same. Like this is like akin to like they do that same scene. It feels like five times right is, where it's just kind of him. He, you don't even listen right. when I talk, and it's just. You can see there's something in those eyes that is so well, it's fucking like they scary, almost, man. I mean, again, like this is this is sort of the same thing I felt when I saw like him as Freddie Quell in The Master. Like comparatively, the performances are very different, but they also have sort of this similar vibe of just like the bubble under the surface. But what's interesting yeah. about Arthur's bubble is like where Freddie was bubbling under the surface because he was trying not to drink and he was trying to like become a different person altogether. What's bubbling under the surface for Arthur is him trying to be an outwardly good person, but you know, on the inside, like he's so damaged and so broken on some level. Like right. it's, it's pretty fascinating. Well, here's one of the scarier scenes in retrospect, right? Is his daydream about being on Murray's show. Oh yeah. Where he's like, I do take you. Cause you can see in that moment, right? This entire movie to me is the process that we all go through to put forward a false face, right? right? Like that's the entire exercise of a clown is the painting and the covering up, you know, becoming something else outwardly. That first scene when he's on Maury and he's like, I do take care of my mom. I do think it's all right. You know, like espousing these kind of great family right. values. And he gets brought up with De Niro and kind of waves at this generic crowd of Gotham, right? The eyes and ears of Gotham. That's who Arthur thinks he is, right? And in a way, that's who Arthur could be. But then we see him get beaten at his job. We see his buddy hand him a gun. Right. We see everyone kind of not take him seriously. His boss is giving him shit like the scene when he's just why would I keep a sign? Yeah, but they can't they can't believe he wouldn't do it because he's fucking Arthur. Right. That's just who he is. People are creeped out by him. Um, You know, the scene when he brings the gun into the kids hospital is just devastating. <laughs> but that that's the series we see. Right. As you see these flashes of a man who wants to be what Thomas Wayne always represents in the Batman comics is this shining light amongst the, you know, deluge of filth that is right. gotham right arthur wants to be that guy right my mom said i was put here to make people smile to give the and that's why we like this stuff right the comedians and it's supposed to take us out even if for a minute from the struggles of just being alive man life is a struggle right. period and so arthur it's not even as much narcissism at the start is that it almost feels like he's a don quixote on this yeah. quest right and the good day in gotham is the windmill it's just 
it's not ever going to happen for him. And the, the scenes of watching Joaquin underneath have this trauma and realization and anger about that while trying to keep together his outward facade. Yeah. I mean, so few actors can pull that off. It, it, it To me, that's what separates this from all of the other Jokers. Right. I mean, the... It's just he's he's given so much more room to well, work. Yeah, and I mean I think that's the advantage of the material in general is that this isn't really a story about the Joker as we've known him. Because to me, again, we've talked a lot about Batman and the Joker on the show, sexual and non sexual, but mainly sexual. But like there's a lot of story <laughs> there's a lot of story that exists in comics that like rarely like I think Brian Azzarello and probably Brian Azzarello might be the one of the only people who's written like a standalone Joker story that I think can actually hold its nut like alan moore wrote the killing joke but the killing joke functions very importantly as like the last batman story it's not the last joker story it's the last batman story right so that's almost when he would break and become the right. new joker so, i mean i think you know what, what I mean? this yeah. movie's advantage is is that yes it's not beholden to any like there because there is no definitive origin of a character but like it's not beholden to anything at all all it has to do is tell the story of a man who's been pushed to his limit. So you can do that with several different characters. And again, I, I, the fact that this movie's called Ar uh, Joker and not Arthur, pretty much inconsequential. You could call this movie Arthur and it would be the exact yeah. same. Arthur portrait of a serial killer. Same thing. Same like thing. literally Fine. there's, there's no difference between like the title does not matter. Like, you know, Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix did something very smart and they were right in saying, hey, let's slip one under let's slip one under their nose and get something out there. That's like way different from what they expected and see what happens. And like, I'm not right. speaking on trends or anything like that. What I'm saying is like, this is a director and, a, and an actor who wanted to do something completely different that probably wouldn't be funded for any more than like a million dollars at this point. So right. why not? Like, why not show people something that they right. haven't seen before or have? And that's, that's what I like about the movie is that, in a way, while not being kind of true to any of the message or heart of the characters of Gotham or the movies, by if if that's how you have to get this movie made, I'm for it, man. Because it, again, and it, it offers a I don't know that it offers a completely fascinating lens on the Joker, but it is this interesting performance about yeah. a villain, right? And where a villain comes from. Again, I don't I don't see this character as the Joker to me. Because there's not that extra level no. of madman. I mean, the interesting thing about this, I keep asking myself, is twofold, right? Does having Bruce and Thomas Wayne in the movie or the name Joker add any value to the story that I saw on screen? No. no. You could call it, you know, Ricky, Little Bobby, and, you know, Tiny Tim, whatever. The movie doesn't change at all. Whereas if you do The Dark Knight, and Bruce Wayne can never put on the Batman suit or have the Batmobile, this and that. Like, that movie falls apart. It doesn't exist totally. anymore. This one is not like that. You know, we're just talking about three names in the name of a city. Nothing else is affected or changed by that right. narratively. But I still think it's a really valuable exercise, again, in examining. Joker is not our friend Mark Hamill from our cartoon days. This is a really fucking scary, depraved guy. And again, I think in a different way than how Arthur's portrayed in this movie, but... I think those are helpful tools. I guarantee you now there are people that will go on to make more Jokers and yeah. Batmans that will be influenced by this kind well, of the level of 
extra humanity. Yeah. I that mean, this I think Joker the beauty has. of taking a creative license like this and really like taking it out for a ride, like not holding back, which is something that I think is really important to remember about a movie like Joker. Like Joker's not holding back anything simply because of brand awareness, which I love and I yeah. don't want them to. It's something we've asked from like everybody, but we obviously know there's some restraint in certain certain areas of the Disney world. But it nevertheless, right? It nevertheless is one of those things where, when I look at it and when I watch this movie, I see a great lightning rod to make other movies like this. We've talked a lot about superhero movies yeah. in general and comic book movies using movies we've seen before as like their general lens of filmmaking, like. America, right. Captain America Winter Soldier basically is three days of the Condor. And, you know, we have a lot like <laughs> that's the, probably the best example I can think of, of like using a version of a movie and taking it and really making it work for your genre in general, even though it's not really your genre. This is a great example of taking a movie that we've all seen before about five different times, like five different types of movies we've seen before and putting it all into one movie. That's a great character study about anybody any one of us like that's like right. the scary part and that's why there's been so much unrest and that's why it's been so uncomfortable to sit in that theater and watch this because you know this guy's out there not necessarily him particularly but right. you know that there's someone who has had to deal with this i think this is the the most intelligent part of the movie to me is it's to me this is not a joker movie this is a batman movie right that in a way we're not seeing an inversion of the Joker that gives us new perspective. This is the inversion of the hero's right. journey. Arthur legitimately thinks he is a hero on a quest, right? To bring light and happiness to Gotham. And watching what happens when Gotham City continually rejects him. And again, I don't think it's Gotham. I think it's Arthur, yeah, totally. obviously, right? He takes no responsibility for his behavior in this movie right, whatsoever. Right. But... It, it feels faded, right? I think this is the dark hero's journey. That what if halfway through the movie, the hero says, my only course of action is destruction. Right. You know, it's, it's more of a Punisher movie in a way than a Joker movie. And I think by shifting these perspectives a little bit, it lets us, because that's at the end of the day, when I see Iron Man 3, I don't learn anything really new about Iron Man as a hero or right. a character. I'm just having another two-hour romp with right. my buddy, right? This one puts me in a headspace where I have to really spend time debating the Joker as a character from this movie, from all the movies past, from all the comic books I've read. I spend a lot of time pondering what this character is and what it means and why it is so emotionally impactful. Well, I mean, to me. I think that's and that's the value. Right. And I mean, like, in essence, and I have to kind of eat some crow here. In essence, though, by doing so, Todd Phillips makes the most comic book related comic book movie of all time because when i read comics and i know we've talked about this i know that you think this too when you read comics we're not just reading to continue the story we're reading to learn something not just about the character but about ourselves i don't read a book if i don't think yes. i'm going to learn something that i didn't think i already knew about myself so for us to sit right. down and watch a dc related movie about a supervillain like the birth of a supervillain, that's something I didn't know about that character, even though it was even though it might not be the Joker that I'm familiar with. It's something I didn't know right. about myself though. Like, am I capable of having that kind of bad day? Am I capable of yeah. having to laugh myself into you know, anything? Like that's like a huge I think that's right. like probably 
the greatest accomplishment of Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is that this movie takes you to a place where you have to think about that kind of stuff and you really have to kind of put on you really have to like turn up the gas a little bit you can't just sit back and relax and let them do the thinking for you and look i like going to those movies just like everybody else (laughs) look i like i like going to the marvel movies it's fun but i also know that i don't have to like do a whole lot of the heavy lifting that's what Right, but you're like, I don't need to see Ant-Man ever again because yeah, I get it. exactly. Right? I know we're not going to break new ground with right. Ant-Man, right? What this, what we talked about a lot is, to me, comic books are, one, I like thinking about the classic good versus evil, right? Why do we ever keep right. going, right? Why do we persist? And secondly, it's forced introspection. That's what the best comics do. They make you ponder really big things in the most fun way. And this movie accomplishes right. that, right? And I think when the movie's sitting there making us examine, well, is Arthur a villain? Because we know what's coming. We know that he's unhinged when he kills those three right. chads. Right? Is that right? Is that wrong? He went. He took the law into his own hands, but they were beating the shit out of him. They were, I mean, it felt like they were about to assault that lady. So it puts this criminal action in a good, bad, do we need to fix the whole set? Like, those moments are really good. What I think happens for me is i think by the end when todd phillips starts injecting a little more of his lens the movie gets a lot dumber and and makes me sad right like the whole monologue on the maury show to me didn't really ring very much of the chaotic nature of this man who's broken and given up because he starts you were gonna be mean to me no one's nice to each well bitch you just murdered three people in your apartment building you murdered three like yeah you're not being nice to people either it's just and again, he's delusional. But once that speech starts, I was kind of because if he kills himself, right, that's more of an introspective right. act of defiance. I, I think thought that was Mur- I, I was I think, really crazy about I think that. Killing part. Murray Franklin is purely plot. Like that's the problem I had. Is well, I think it's to solidify that he's actually the right. Joker, right? That he pulls off some kind of big crime. But the Joker kind of grandstanding on the TV. Like, the moments when he stops in his Joker outfit and kind of dances, like, he does it the one time in the bathroom after the kill. He does it a little bit on the Maury Mm -hmm. show. I mean, haunting, haunting imagery. But his speech, Maury using him, kind of putting the media at fault for, oh, you love mocking a... It's like, that's not Maury's fault. Nothing that happens here makes Maury a bad guy. I think it's really, like, sloppy, (laughs) like, sort of sloppy grandstanding on the behalf of, like, you know, that's... And, again, it's not, like... I don't think it's bad writing necessarily. What I do think though, is it's a means to an end. Like that's you, you want to get did was they took, yes, they took the imagery of Joaquin kind of floating in the void, right? Like it's the, the sunken place, right? Like Joaquin just floating and watching him is captivating and lets me ponder with him, take the journey with him. When you start laying out your manifesto verbally, now I'm forced to, grapple more with a specific idea rather than the big concepts of what's happening to this man i thought the talk show was actually a really poor device for the story i could have done without that i thought the story between him and thomas wayne that's what you're driving me towards right right? don't use maury as a stand-in for thomas wayne you know the wealthy one percent of gotham you know put it on thomas if you want to do asshole thomas wayne use him and then so we have the kill on the talk show and i was like all right you know his manifesto speech didn't do it for me. I loved watching him in the back of the cop car. Just kind of yeah. look at the anarchy, right? 
this brightened up Gotham and seeing that he's inspired this nonsense. Because in a way, now that he's killed Arthur and become Joker, people are seeing him, or at least the way he right. wants them to. That part is great. Now, they do a shot that I thought was pretty bad. Uh, when they crash the car and they pull Joaquin out, I was like, did we really just do the Jesus image? Yeah. Like, we're really going for the Jesus Robin Hood image that the Joker has. And again, because they pair it with the Thomas Wayne desert, getting what he deserves, quote unquote, right yeah. or wrong. They do try to lay groundworks that Arthur is somewhat a victim and that Thomas Wayne somewhat deserves it by doing the then Jesus imagery and the Robin Hood imagery. While Robin Hood is standing on the car and he's looking around and he does the smile, it's it's visually arresting. Beautiful, beautiful work. But the images, again, kind of belie what I think a lot of this movie yeah. is doing. I think... You know, because I think then you're taking an exact point. You're, you're, you're focusing right. my mind in a little too specifically on this is somewhat a heroic act that we just watched, which I just don't agree yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, like... Making it, make, putting too fine a point on it might be the like crux of the argument in a lot of the moments in this movie. Like trying to make trying to make right. a stand and like make a point in that manner is not how this movie should function because that's also, again, speaking to the character, not how the character functions. Like, yeah, well, he even says, "I'm not political." He he is just this broken narcissistic narcissist who wants himself yeah. to be seen, not. And once he starts his political ideology, it kind of works in the Maury monologue because he's not political, but he's kind of doing a politician right. speech. But this is if he's just watching the fires and we see a creepy Joaquin Phoenix smile in the back of the car. Do we not get all of the same information without the and I get it. The shots fantastic of him on the hood sure. of the car. But do we not get the exact same emotional and narrative impact without the Robin Hood and Jesus him. I mean, they pull him out. He's literally in the crucifix. It's, it, it's. I mean, it's, it's. Come on, guys. It's come Matrix on. Matrix Revolutions bad. Like you know. I mean, it's it's such a beautiful shot that it would be a shame that we never got to see the shot. But it's also just you know, it's the exact same thing. Him watching yeah. people taking his false image to Gotham and tearing the city apart. I don't think you need the the Robin Hood Jesus imagery. I don't think you need Thomas Wayne being killed. You know, because he deserves yeah. it. It just it felt I unnecessary. Think... And then we have this end cap with the psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. I... That's a weird one because it's to, I read online that a lot. This is the worst hot take that I read every movie, which I'm pretty guilty of myself with science fiction. But Arthur was in the asylum the nope. whole time. Right. When he talked to the first social nope. worker and he headbutted the glass. That's him. Have it. None of this happened. Come on, guys. That's never good. I'm guilty of it myself. It's never a good take. Let's pretend yeah, this, this is isn't insane elsewhere. Let's not do that. <laughs> I, I absolutely despise that take. Like th those kinds of things yeah. are annoying to me. But no, like, no. The, I mean, what I think really is the case is like th that actually might be probably one of my favorite comic book beats is literally him escaping like that happens all the time. Well, it was cool because it's subtle. It shows his mind shift is shifted yeah. a little, right? The, I'll tell you a joke, but you won't get it. And him kind of meandering down the hall and then doing the Scooby-Doo run yeah. with orderlies. Well, it's fine. It was cool. It was beautiful. I mean, I think that's the problem, right? Is so much of it is beautiful and amazing just to watch Joaquin do anything. But I think the ending has a little... They take it from Joaquin uh, flailing in the void to... 
Todd Phillips is going to teach us something. Like I had mentioned to my friend that when it pulls back on the row of like nine TVs and it's the news and it's Murray and oh, look at the press. They love tragedies, Uh, which I mean, obviously they do. They're still trying to incite a Joker shooting. It feels like, but it just felt like a stupid point to make it this moment of the movie, right? It just felt like something added in that had nothing to do with where we were. Like, again, they're trying to blame Murray and the rich and the media for Arthur and Gotham's plight, and it's just again, bullshit. It's called a char- it's it's just called a character study. It's not a social study. It's a character right. study. Like, that's, yeah. like, the most important thing about the movie is, like, as soon as you start widening your lens out a little bit into other things around Arthur, that's when, the, that's when things get a little foggy and start getting a little muddy and start getting a little preachy and, like, kind of get a little not worth watching. But once we get right back into Arthur's world, I- I'm I'm enamored. I'm 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 in. You know. Yeah, I I mean I think that's the thing is it's it's just one of I was trying to think. I, I mean by the end of time, this will probably be a top ten favorite performance of mine. It's just it's unbelievable, great. the way that Arthur contorts his body constantly, shrinking in and really kind of flexing. The way he's constantly leaning back. Yeah. To stretch and be bigger, more noticeable, the the getting bigger and the getting smaller. I mean, he just does so many brilliant things in this movie. I mean And again, it's 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 not necessarily the Joker. It's definitely not Gotham or the Waynes. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right? I think what you said, it captures the essence of the best comic yeah. books, which is an entertaining way to look at some of the most important, scary ethical dilemmas ever. And and the people who sit there and just rip on it because Yes, Arthur reminds us a lot of these incel fucking virginal shooters. Yeah, he yes. does. But you know what? Those people fucking yeah. exist, right? I mean, um, you know, to not watch it because of all the other real world stuff, you're missing some amazing. I think art, confronting right? what's scary and confronting what's ter- what terrifies us about the world we live in is what makes great art. And I yeah. like I don't always think that, but I think in the case of Joker, yes, one hundred percent. And you have to confront that so that you can know so that, that you, you can know yeah. that about yourself. Yeah, I just it it's just a beautiful piece of work. Again, I, I don't think I mean, people are so extreme, right? It's that, oh, it's the masterpiece. Yeah, it's all right. It's oh, it fucking sucks. And we shouldn't watch it. It's hideous. No, that's, that's nonsense. You know, there are when it's when it's working right when everything is clicking, it's all the way up here. Right. Some of the best visual powerful imagery ever and then there's a scene where they play the pro sports jock jam song as joaquin phoenix dances down the stairs and you're like well they're still making some really bad decisions that's kind of a mixed bag of all the songs in the universe you could have picked that has to be the worst choice in that moment come on man it's it's just such a bad stupid choice that doesn't fit this world why wasn't it why wasn't it what does Arthur really rock the well, jock Why wasn't jams? it just uh, why was <laughs> I, I was shocked it wasn't like a Sinatra's version of Send in the Clowns. Like they fucking sang it in the middle yeah. of the movie. The fucking Chads did. And I'm like, just when you're smiling. How about I mean, there's so many songs that, you know, are a little spot on, on a happy face. Like, but I mean, anything. anything, anything other than a jock jam song. But that's what I mean. This movie has really good filmmaking. It has some really bad decisions. I think the more you start venturing into Todd Phillips' mind, away from Joaquin's mind, it suffers a bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is a fucking A-minus movie overall. Um, I think 
weirdly enough, I think this will be the comic book movie I come back to more than yeah, any other. Yeah, that makes other. sense. That tracks. I think there's just a lot. And it's, well, That's it's me personally. That I, I mean, kind this of is the kind of, this is the kind of comic book movies, movie that winds up on Shudder. So, you know. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a fucking horror movie, man. But that's what I like. I like sitting there and just spending uncomfortable time pondering these bigger character flaws. And I think this movie has so much more time for me to actually actively be participating and emoting than, you know, your average comic book movie. I can't think of any other comic book movie short of Howard the Duck that I will end up having watched more than this by the time I die. You know, and I think that's that's really important. Not entertaining that anyway. Are we going to, you want to no. watch it again? We already you did it once. It? No, it's not. Again, I know for most people, it'll be too hardcore to be their favorite comic book movie ever. Most people prefer Marvel. I'd rather do this again. I think I can honestly say it's my favorite comic book. Cause even the dark Knight, I don't really think that's very Batman, right? The Joker's closer to what yeah, the Joker yeah. is while doing his own thing, but Again, I don't think that's Batman in that no- movie, right? Batman never just wants to yeah, quit the and Nolan have a girlfriend. Batman just wants to have so a they, girlfriend. So they all take their own, yeah, they all take their own liberties with the yeah. characters. This one just happened to be fascinating, and anytime I get a spend with Joaquin Phoenix just going for it, all the oh, way man. in. All Guys, the way in. we hope that you go see this movie. Uh, we hope that you listen to this show, and like, obviously it's very spoiler-filled, but at the same time, like, we really didn't, tell you anything that you probably didn't already know about what's going on in this movie it's important to see these kinds of things for yourself though and form your own opinion but thank you for listening to our show about it because i don't want to tell you how to like a movie but we definitely want to tell you what we liked and did not like about this movie uh we want to talk to you about it man hit us up in the comments on nerd alchemist plural uh you'll find it there you can hit us up on twitter instagram if you want to fight with us you think we're dumb I think my buddy used the phrase, did they hand out woke goggles at your screening? <laughs> if you think that's the case, you know I love a good fight. Let's do it. You got you guys can be the fat guy and the dwarf, and I'll be old skinny Joaquin with my skeezers. Yep. Let's guys, battle. <laughs> um, as always, catch us on all your socials. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about us. We like doing this. We want to keep doing it. We like. I mean, I don't think anything's going to stop us, but we would love for you guys to tell all your friends. Um, we don't want to have one and bad day. For the love day, of God, please audience. go over to Film Alchemist and listen. Every day this month, we have a show, right? Every day? Every, Every weekday, weekday this month, we have a show. We're not maniacs. We're Every not weekday maniacs. this month, we have a show. We're watching all the Friday, th- Friday the 13th, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I, Elm Streets. I think today is Tuesday. We released Dream... Uh, no. Um, which one was today? Dream Child was yesterday. Today was Freddy's Dead. By the time you'll be hearing this, it'll be uh, yeah. New Nightmare. Wes Craven's new nightmare. Um, guys, that's our other show. Uh, also, small note. On uh, Friday through Sunday, I will be at LA Comic Con this week. Uh, I hope I hope Yay. to see you guys. I'll have stickers. I'll have a special preview booklet for a book we're all working on together. Um, please stop by my booth. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have any panels this time. But hey, them's the breaks. Uh, guys from the Long Box Sessions, I'm Alex Dandino. I'm Josh Griffith. You had one good day. One good day. Yeah. Don't be a dorm room poster, guys.